Overcoming Fears in the sermon series, Soul Care, spoken by Pastor Peter, on. Growing up, I had a group of friends, uh, teenagers, that really loved watching horror movies. I don't know how many of you enjoyed watching horror movies, but I hated it. I did not like one minute of it. They watched, they forced me to watch movies like Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I was not a fan of Freddy. In fact, Freddy would appear in my dreams sometimes after watching that movie. I would be afraid of Jason on Friday the 13th. I mean, I'd be terrified of watching movies like that. Movies like The Exorcist and The Omen. These are some of the movies that they kind of forced me to watch, and I can never get through it all. I would either go to another room and just kind of remove myself because I didn't need to watch a movie to be afraid. I struggle with enough fear in my life. How many of you actually enjoy watching horror movies? This is a very big genre. Can you just write in your chat right now in the chat room, yes or no? How many of you liked watching or like watching horror movies? Do you like it? Hit yes, write yes or write no. Let us know. Uh, but for me, I never did because I grew up with enough fear in my life. And it all started when I was a little child, and many of you have been following my story through Soul Care as we're in this series. But my father was the first person I had a lot of fear towards. And I will never forget, growing up as a child, we lived in New Jersey at the time, and my, uh, we grew, I grew up in Queens, Elmhurst, Queens, and a lot of my, fam my parents' friends still lived in Queens. And he would take us uh, there for social gatherings. We were too young to be home by ourselves. And I just remember my father drinking away. And every time he started drinking, I was literally paralyzed with fear because I knew what would happen when we got home. The more he drank, the more the fear seemed to have increased in my life. And when we got in the car, he was completely drunk. Just the drive home from Queens to New Jersey was terrifying. And when we got home, it was unfortunately deeper, deeper fear. We experienced quite a bit of violence when we did get home. I grew up experiencing fear in the sense of never wanting my parents to get a divorce. I know their relationship was dysfunctional, but I didn't want them to get a divorce. I really didn't. I wanted them to stay together, no matter what. I grew up with fear of being bullied at school a lot. And uh, in middle school, there was this kid whose name was Anthony, and he looked like Lou Ferrigno, a young Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno it was the Incredible Hulk. The guy was just, looked just like him. He was just huge, bulging muscles, veins popping out of his biceps. And, he would always make fun of me at school, but he would call me and he would say, I'm going to fight you after school and continue to yell out some racial slurs. And when he would threaten me and say that he wanted to fight me after school, I did whatever I could to get detention. <laughs> I did whatever I could to ask a teacher if I could stay after school and get some tutoring and things like that. I did not want to leave that school because I was afraid of what would happen if he found me after school. I had enough fear about that. I had a lot of fear growing up of just being alone. I didn't like being by myself because I didn't like the kind of person I was becoming. And so for me, I always had to constantly surround myself with other people. It was very important for me to do that because I didn't like being alone and being by myself. As I got older and became a follower of Jesus, it start, I started to mature a little bit. I started to have a better handle on fear, but it sort of mutated in different ways. And as an adult, I struggled with fear of not being accepted. I was a people pleaser. Everyone I met, I wanted them to like me. And so I did whatever I could to, to be the best person I could be. I always was happy and cheery and making people laugh and making sure that they accepted me. I could not live with the fact of people perhaps not liking me. It would really hurt me. When I met my wife Jenny in college, uh, I feared that she would break up with me. <laughs> I 
didn't believe that she would want to stick around and, and be with me and let alone even marry me eventually. But in college, I was really nervous and fearful that she would break up with me one day. And so I was incredibly jealous. Whenever a guy talked to her, I would get upset. And it was just not a, not a good thing. I feared that she would break up with me. But the fear that I probably struggle with the most today, honestly, is the fear of failure. I don't like failing. Failing is something that I do not like to do because when I fail, it's not a reminder that I made a mistake. Oftentimes I feel like a mistake. And so one of the reasons why I'm sort of a perfectionist in some areas of my life is because I just don't like to fail because of what I often feel when I do. And I get fearful of failing. And so success is a really big thing for me. It was important for me to live into. I don't know what kind of fears you struggle with, uh, but in light of what's going on in our world today, and as we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent, and with this pandemic continuing in our lives, I do believe this is probably a season in the history of our world where we've experienced most unprecedented amounts of fear in our life. I do believe many of your Thanksgiving celebration this past Thursday was probably one that was filled with a lot of fear. You had to quarantine yourself and not get together with the big kind of groups that you get together with normally on Thanksgiving, and I know that's hard. That was probably hard. There's a lot going on. COVID-19 has changed everything, and I think we're just gripped with fear in every area of our lives. And so fear just kind of dictates how you and I live our lives. And so today, as we continue in Soul Care, we're going to really talk about principle number six. How do we overcome fear? How do we overcome our fears? Do you realize that fear is the most common command in the Bible? In the Old Testament and the New Testament, fear is the most common command in the Bible. You hear verses like, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. If this is the most common command in the Bible, how much do you think fear hinders our spiritual walk with God, our spiritual journey? I think a lot. I think a lot. You know, fear is not necessarily a bad thing because in the Bible we do read that we are to fear God, this sense of reverent fear. That's a good kind of fear because that, that sort of propels you to increase your faith in God. But the fear that literally paralyzes you is the one that often is the one that will kill us, will kill, it will disease our souls. The definition of fear, if you look it up in the dictionary, is simply defined as this. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or threat. My friends, we all struggle with fear, every single one of us. Fear is something that we struggle with. And so... Um, before we can even talk about how do we overcome our fears, we have to first ask the question, how do I identify it? Fear is not that easily identifiable. Many of you think it is, but it's not. And I do believe there are a lot of you that don't believe you struggle with fear. We all do. It takes on many different forms. We're going to talk about first, how do we identify our fears? The first part. The second part then is how do we overcome it? How do we overcome our fears. Fear is the dark room where negatives develop. And so how do we overcome that? We got to first be able to identify it. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 26. We're going to look at verses 31 to 35. Matthew 26, verses 31 to 35. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is towards the end of Jesus's ministry, his life, actually. And he confronts his disciples, particularly Peter. And he says that you're all going to deny me and leave me. 
And just pay attention to Peter's response. Look at how confident he is in the absence of fear. Verse 31, on the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the disciples vowed the same. Again, Peter is so confident. Jesus says that you were going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter says, no, even if I have to die, I will not deny you three times. When fear is not present, we are pretty confident people. But look at what happens to Peter now when fear enters into his heart and into his soul. Jump down to verse 69 of chapter 26. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore a curse. He swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you would deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. It's the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. And so God, we come to you. We all struggle with fear, especially in the season that we find ourselves in right now because of COVID. Many of us are paralyzed and we're gripped by fear. And, and in all honesty, God, our fears are oftentimes greater than our faith. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, our hearts. And Lord, teach us how we can identify fear, but also teach us how we can overcome it so that our faith will always, always be greater than our fears. And in fact, God, that you would help us to be people of God, where when we are fearful, that we would use that as fuel to grow our faith in you. So I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, I pray that it would be pleasing unto you. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Peter is very confident in the absence of fear. Jesus says, you will deny me three times. Peter says, no, I won't. Even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And then when fear enters in, Jesus is arrested. He's taken away. Peter loses his leader. He's shocked. He's afraid. He's at the courtyard. These are people that are just innocent bystanders. They have no power to do anything or cause harm to Peter. They're just normal people like you and me. And they're just saying, hey, listen, I think you were with this guy, Jesus. And three times Peter denies it. When fear enters into our hearts and into our souls, we become a very different person. What once was maybe a time where we were confident no longer is a place where we are. Fear is an emotion that makes us vulnerable and weak many times. Fear often threatens the very foundation of our value. And when you and I begin to become fearful, we do whatever we can to prove our worth. We try to control outcomes, manipulate and control other people. And we have to learn to act out on faith and not fear. And that's the goal. In fact, we have to even allow our fears 
to be, to be the fuel for us to grow in our faith. And if I think because of the times in which we're living in today, because of everything that's happening with the quarantine and this virus, that if you were to look at your fear and your faith and you would compare them side by side, for a lot of us, just naturally, I think our fears are greater than our faith in God. And that happens so easily. It can happen so easily. And so what usually happens when our fears become greater than our faith in God? We often resort to comforting sin patterns, don't we? Sin patterns that we think will bring us some comfort. And I think it does. It does bring us some comfort at some levels. But it never truly satisfies. We fantasize. We fall into the trap of our addictive behaviors. And I don't need to list what those might be. You know what it is because you know what you've been living during this time of quarantine. It's not easy. We do this not necessarily to think that it's going to drive the fear away. We do this to kind of numb ourselves so that we don't have to live in fear. Listen, fear is not from God. God does not provide fear for us. God has never been fearful a day in his life. He does not give us fear. 1 Timothy 1.7, here's what it says. 1 Timothy 1.7, look what Paul says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I'm going to read that again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Before we can talk about how do we overcome our fears, we have to first establish how do we identify our fears. How do you identify your fears? First, we identify our fears when we recognize what fear feels like. What does fear feel like for you? What emotions do you carry when you're living in fear? Here's the reason why fear is so unrecognizable is because fear is a primary emotion. And primary emotions are not easily recognizable. What happens is that fear birds secondary emotions. And it's those secondary emotions that are the indicators that we are living in fear. All right? Now, for many of us, the only secondary emotion that many of us know is being afraid. And just because you're saying you're not afraid, it doesn't mean that you don't have fear. That's one part of being in fear, but there are a lot of other secondary type emotions that often will take us to a place where we actually are living in fear. And so what are some examples of other secondary emotions that really indicate to you and to me today that we're living in fear? Anger. Are you an angry person? Do you easily get angry? Make no mistake about it. That's a symptom of fear. What's underneath your anger at the end of the day many times, is fear. You have this tense of, uh, this sort of this aggression. You like to fight when you experience fear, right? Or maybe for many of you, you get passive aggressive. That's an emotion. That whenever you get afraid, when you're in a relationship with someone, you're getting into a fight, what do you do? You shut down and you just kind of walk away. Folks, if you're passive aggressive and if you think that that is not aggression, you are absolutely wrong. When you walk away from a conflict with somebody that you care about and you are not acknowledging their existence nor their presence and you just kind of shut down emotionally, that is a form of abuse. That is more of the flight. Some of you fight, but a lot of you also flight. You leave that situation. That's an emotion, a secondary emotion, where underneath that is actually fear. Some of us get very timid. When things, when, we, when we're afraid, some of us get anxious. We can't even go to sleep. We get these anxiety attacks. Like no matter what, we just cannot feel settled. That's a sign that you're living in fear. Jealousy, it's a sign that you're living in fear. 
this need to always have to be right. I remember uh, when my wife and I, we first got married, I mean, she would bring up some things that she wanted me to work on and change. She, we would get into fights and she would bring up some areas that I need to grow on in a real non-confrontational way. But for me, I couldn't receive that because, again, I'm like this perfectionist. I don't like to fail. And so whenever she brought it up, I would flip it and I would blame it on her. And she would always say, well, then I guess it's my fault. Could you imagine like, just hearing that over and over where she brings up something and then I flip it and blame it on her? Do you think she wants to share anything with me going forward? Absolutely not. My fear was this deep need for me to be right. What emotions do you feel when you're experiencing fear? You gotta identify those. You gotta ask yourself that, all right? Once you've done that, the second thing that we have to identify our fears is when we recognize what fear looks like. Once you know what fear feels like, you have to now enter into this place of saying, what does fear look like for me? What do I look like? How do I act when I am living in fear? It's a very important question for you to ask. In fact, maybe this could be the first part because sometimes you don't even know what you feel until you can first focus on how you sort of act when you're living in fear, right? So I want to encourage you to bring that before the Lord. Journal, maybe get some people who know you well. If you're married, your spouse would know this. Have them speak into your life. What does fear look like for you? What did it look like for Peter? Lies. When Peter was fearful, how did that play out? He lied. He lied. Listen, if you lie, if you lie, and some of us are pathological liars. Pathological liars is actually when you believe in the lie. If you lie, probably what's underneath a lot of that is deep fear. This needing to having to pretend, right? So maybe for you, your fear looks like you lie. For King Saul, if you read the book of Samuel, the first king of Israel, his fear looked like hiding. He hid. Saul was a constant hider. He hid in his baggage. He hid in the caves. He hid in his palace so he wouldn't have to fight Goliath. Saul hid. He was hiding. Maybe you're a hider. You become like this passive aggressive. You walk away when you experience fear. You hide. Do you do that? What else does fear look like? Fear can look like you being controlling. Maybe you like to control outcomes. You control things. You control your children. You control your situations at work. You control other people. You are a control freak. If you are a control freak, most likely what's underneath a lot of that is fear. One of the most important questions you can ask yourself is this. What is underneath this? And many times it's fear. Maybe it's you being possessive. You like being possessive over certain things. Somebody asks you if they can borrow a coffee mug. No, I don't want to because you don't want them to steal it. I get a little possessive. I'm going to be honest with my books. A lot of times my staff members and other people borrow my books and they don't bring it back. So I don't even like giving. I get possessive. Why? Because I have this fear of I'm not going to get it back. Right? I get possessive over things. Some of us get possessive over people. We get jealous. We do things like that. Possessive is, is a way. Some of us cut off relationships. Why do we do that? Because maybe we've gone through something in our lives and we, we've, we, we've had some real close relationships and they have deeply, deeply wounded us. And so whenever you have a new relationship, whenever you feel like there might be a conflict that's arising, what do you do? You just cut off that relationship. You are the first one to cut it off. Why? Because you do not want to be the one to get hurt. You are so afraid of getting hurt and so you cut it off. I knew somebody who was deeply wounded by someone of a significant other when they dated. They were supposed to get married. 
And because of that wound and that pain, he would always be the one to break off relationships with good people, good women that he met. He just couldn't live with this fear that he might lose this person. Very dangerous. Some of us, we look like pretend. We pretend that everything is okay when we're fearful. You ever do that? That whenever you're fearful, you pretend everything is okay? I mean, we live in a culture where everything should be good, right? Because we say, hey, how you doing? We use that as a greeting. A lot of us, we just say we're good. But are you really good? Pretend happens a lot, doesn't it? And so first, in order for you to overcome your fears, you have to first acknowledge and identify what does your fears feel like and what does it look like, right? Because you cannot overcome that which you will not admit. What do your fears feel like and what do your fears look like, all right? So once you've established that, then we can take the step of overcoming our fears. How do we overcome our fears? The answer to that is in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Here's what Paul says in verse 4. I'm reading from the NIV version. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do we overcome our fears? Here's the first thing. Once you've identified what fear feels like and looks like, here's the first thing in how you overcome your fears. You overcome your fears when you worship. When we worship God. Verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. When you and I worship God, what you're doing is you're no longer living in fear because you're focusing your eyes not on yourself or that fear, but you're focusing it on God. When we worship, the reason worship is so sacred because it allows you to enter into the very presence of God. And when you and I are in the presence of God, we are able to overcome our fears. When we worship God, what we are doing is we are literally surrendering ourselves to the very lordship of Jesus Christ. That's why worship is so critical. That's why we actually sing songs before the sermon because we want you to enter into the very presence of God and we want you to get to a place where you are surrendering yourself to the very lordship of Jesus Christ. Every single one of you watching actually were created to worship God. What that means is simply this. You love to worship God. Now, if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something else. I see it all the time. If your favorite team was in the Super Bowl, guess what? You will be worshiping that team. We are just created to worship. We love to worship. And I want to encourage you that if fear is something that is present in your life regularly, especially during this time of COVID, learn to worship God. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. How do we worship? You can do it by singing. It doesn't matter if you don't sing well. Some of you are like, well, I don't sing well. It doesn't matter. You're not going to be up on stage and worship. You can worship in your home. It doesn't matter if you have a bad voice. Worship God through your voice. You can sing to him. Now you can just, you know, play these songs, and you can sing along with the songs on your, on your phones, right? You can listen to worship music. I love listening to worship music. With Spotify now, you can listen to any worship music that you want to listen to. Maybe you like a song that's sung up here. You can listen to that. Listen to worship music is key. And then the other thing that I love to do is I love worshiping God in nature. So during the fall, uh, fall season, I love riding my bike through these beautiful areas where there's just so many trees. And I love seeing the colors of the leaves. They're just so beautiful. 
worshiping God. We have to learn to worship God regularly. Otherwise, we will constantly be living in fear. Uh, we have family worship uh, pretty regularly at my home. And uh, when my kids were real small, I used to be the worship leader. I played guitar, and so I would lead worship. But now that my kids are older now, and Christina and Kayla, they, they are on the worship team for the, for the youth group in the past, and Christina plays the piano, uh, I've been vetoed out of leading worship in my family. <laughs> and so now they lead worship. And, uh, and it's amazing because they're so much better than me. They're so good. They harmonize and it's everything. It's really powerful. I love worshiping with our family and having worship time. I want to encourage you, parents, to do that. You can just play the songs on your phone and you can sing together as a family. Start regular worship times as a family. I think it will be awesome. I love it when they just spontaneously, they'll just worship together. Like after dinner, they'll just be sitting in the piano and they'll just be playing and singing and harmonizing and all that stuff. And if I'm in my bedroom, I leave the door open because I love to hear because I tell my wife, I said, there's nothing better to listen to when your kids love worshiping God. Why? Because they're surrendering themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I hope and pray that they will never allow their fears to paralyze them. Listen, if you don't like worshiping God, my guess is you're probably living in a lot of fear. You're probably living in a lot of fear. Worshiping God allows us to overcome our fears. Second, we overcome our fears when we choose a gentle response. A gentle response. Look at what it says in verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So when you are experiencing fear, you first worship, surrender yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, enter into his presence, and then what do you do second? You actually choose a gentle response. This is key. Because when we are living in fear, what mode do we usually respond, act in? We react, don't we? We don't respond, we react. And when we react many times, that's when we get aggressive. That's when we can get, you know, controlling, possessive, all these different things. And so this gentle response, how can we choose a gentle response? It's to slow down. When you're living in fear, the first thing you have to tell yourself is worship God. The second thing is this, slow down. Many times you're living in so much fear, you cannot slow down and you're constantly going in your life. You're living your life at a frantic pace that prevents you from living a life where you can slow down. In the Psalms it says this, be still and know that I am God. That's why you, a gentle response is when you slow down, when you can be still and know that you are God. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28. Can we turn there? Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Here's what he says to you and me, especially those who are struggling with fear. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Let's just say heavy fears. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. It is so key for your souls to be resting. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And so how do we choose this gentle response? You stop, slow down, and rest. That's how you overcome your fears. It's not about you going faster, doing more things doing more things because when you are incredibly busy, it's a reflection that you probably are operating at a pace where you believe that God can't do things for you, so you got to do it all. It's a lack of faith that you don't trust that God can handle it. And so you got to do everything. 
Jesus says, come to me, those who are heavy burdened. Come with all your fears. Lay it down, and I will give you rest. He says rest twice here, rest for our souls. Some of us today, we really need our souls to experience rest. Worship God. Choose a gentle response. And the last thing in how we overcome our fears is when we are thankful in prayer. When you and I are thankful in prayer. Let's look at 5b. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is so key here. When was the last time your prayer time was filled with thanksgiving? I do believe because of the season we find ourselves in today that it's anything but that. Our prayer time many times are not filled with a lot of thanksgiving. Now listen, I think it's so critical for you to be honest. When you go to God in prayer, you got to be honest with God in your in your fears that you might be experiencing, some of the pains that you're going. That is good. God is big enough to deal with those things. You should be completely honest in your prayers. That's what Paul's saying. But he says you got to be honest and vulnerable with God with thanksgiving. That's the key ingredient. Because when you can be grateful, with, when you can pray with thanksgiving, it says that God will give you peace. You see, your fears are overcome when you have peace, when God gives you peace in return for your fears. Jesus says, cast all your burdens on me and I will give you rest. What that means is it's peace, shalom. He will give you and I peace. Now some of you are saying, but Peter, I really can't be very thankful during this season. There's not much for me to be thankful for. I get it. Listen, no matter what, I know what you might be going through is difficult, but I want you to know this. I want you to know this, no matter what, the reason why you and I could be thankful is because Jesus declares that you are his friend. He loves you. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for you on the cross and resurrect from the dead. We have a God who not only says he loves us, but actually performed it in his actions and continues to present himself to us through his presence, through the Holy Spirit every day. And if you go to him with thanksgiving in your prayers, he will grace you with his presence, and give you peace in return. I know that's hard during this Advent season. I know many of us are so gripped by fear, fear that we might catch this virus or fear that our loved one might. And some of you watching have loved ones that are right now in a hospital, and it might be on a respirator. Family members that you love so dearly and you are so afraid today that they may no longer be with you. I get that. But in the midst of that, can you go to God and be honest with your fears, but also thank God for his love and his goodness and his grace, which will be your strength to get you through this difficult season. Can you do that? Some of us are struggling and we're so fearful because this pandemic has caused us to go bankrupt. There's so many unemployed, so many people in the service industry that have been hurt so much because of the pandemic. And now Christmas is coming up and you have to buy presents for your family and you just don't have the funds and you're fearful that you may not be stable financially. This is maybe the first time in your life where you've actually had to live at this place where you are so fearful that right now you might go bankrupt. Can you go to God and be honest about that but learn to be thankful in prayer so that he can give you peace and rest? 
See, that's choosing a gentle response. Some of us are afraid of being alone because the pandemic has forced us to be alone and we're by ourselves, we're still single and we're struggling and we feel like perhaps maybe the pandemic is a microcosm of what might be the rest of our life that is giving you a foretaste of what, what, what might be the rest of your life and you are petrified. You are overwhelmed with that deep-seated fear. Be honest with God about that. Go deep with him. Can we get to a posture where we can still thank him? Because no matter what, we are never alone. We have God in our lives. Jesus Christ is your friend. He wants to be intimately connected and involved in your life. No matter what, you're never alone. Can we still be thankful so that God can give us peace? We overcome our fears, Metro, when we can learn to be thankful in prayer. Kids, if you're watching, Maybe mom and dad are fighting a lot. Every day they're fighting. And you're scared. You're scared that maybe they may not be together anymore because of the way they're fighting. And you're afraid. Can you be honest with God about that? And maybe reach out to your youth pastor, or to IJ, or maybe to teacher Steve, or somebody else. Be honest, but in prayer, knowing that no matter what, no matter what, we can be thankful because Jesus loves you. And Jesus is never, ever about wanting to fight with you. Will you embrace him in that way? We overcome our fears when we can choose to worship him, choose a gentle response, and pray to him with a thankful heart. Several years ago, um, we were trying to convince Pastor David Hosang to join our staff. David never had to interview for us because we wanted him. We were recruiting him big time. And uh, we really felt like David would be the perfect person to enter into this role of spiritual formation and be the pastor of that ministry. And, you know, our staff members, we joke around quite a bit sometimes, and we, just, we asked ourselves one time <laughs> during staff meeting, hey, when was the last time you think David Hosang sinned? Right? Because, I mean, listen, I've known this guy since I was in my mid-20s. I've never seen him sin once. Right? And so we're joking around. Somebody said maybe like, early 2000. I was like, maybe 1980s, the last time he sinned. And so he's, he's, he's a different breed of, of, of a human, in my opinion. He's a different breed of a Christian. I love being around this guy because if you want to experience peace and rest, just hang out with David Jose. You'll experience that. When we were trying to recruit him, he came out with his wife, Betty. It was sometime, I think, in February. And it was a massive snowstorm. He came out and attended the service, and he was a part of our staff meeting, and David and Betty were kind of leading the staff meeting. I asked him to. And Betty had a massive heart attack at the office. We didn't know she was having a heart attack. She wasn't feeling well, so she lied down on the couch. And somehow I just sensed that we needed to rush her to the hospital. They did in the snowstorm. David, Clay, and Shirley, they went and they took Betty to the hospital. I was finishing up, wrapping up the staff meeting. Didn't really think Betty was all that serious. Her condition was all that serious. And uh, when I got to the hospital and I went to the ER and I said, how is Betty Hosang doing? And the nurse said to me, the nurse said, she may not make it. She's suffering from a massive heart attack. In fact, the nurse said her heart actually stopped beating. So they had to resuscitate her. Guys, I was flipping out. I was so afraid, so afraid because I just thought to myself, my God, they're out here discerning whether they should come to Metro Community Church or not, what do you think they're going to decide when they realize, David's like, I almost 
lost my wife. That might be a sign that they're not going to come to Metro Community Church. But again, I was just nervous for David because he might lose his wife. I go into the waiting room because they're waiting to hear what happens. And I'm just thinking David is beside himself. I'm thinking David is freaking out. He's crying, and I'm thinking about what words am I going to say to try to comfort him and help him through this time. I was so grateful that Shirley and Clay were there. You know, Shirley is such a high feeler. I thought she was going to just love on him and bless him during this time, try to help him, right? I open the door, and I'm shocked at what I see. David has his proverbial, that, that, that perpetual smile. He and Shirley are talking. They're laughing. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this. And I'm starting to feel offended. So I'm thinking, how can this guy be so calm when his wife may not make it? And so as they're continuing, and I'm just, I'm just observing, I'm not even entering into the conversation. As they're talking, and David is just talking like he, how he normally talks. I just say to him, I say, David, your wife is being operated on right now. She may not make it. I said, David, why are you so calm? And guys, I want you to know, this is how he responded to me. He just looked at me and he goes like this. It's in the Lord's hands. That almost got me even more upset. I couldn't believe he responded that way. And, you know, I called him yesterday and we kind of, he helped me to understand the situation a bit more. He said that when he drove... Um, when they went there to the hospital and they put her up on the EKG and they realized she was having this massive heart attack and she had to go into the operating room. He left the hospital and he made phone calls and emailed all of his friends and family that he knew and he asked for them to pray. He asked for them to pray. And when I realized what happened with David and the reason why he was able to be so calm in a state where he might lose his wife was because this is a man that I know with all my heart, he loves to worship God. This is a man that loves to surrender himself to the presence of God. You know, when we all come back together and we get to worship on Sundays together, just look at how David worships God. Just watch him. I'm not going to try to mimic it, but it's the posture of surrendering. That's what David does. David chose a gentle response. He slowed down, surrendered himself to God. And at the end, he was very honest in prayer, and he asked others to pray for Betty. But he was in a place of thanksgiving, no matter what. And that's why he was able to look at me in the eye and say, it's in the Lord's hands. That Betty is in the best hands she could be in right now. She's in the very hands of God. I have peace. I know you're struggling with fear today. I know fear can be something that's quite paralyzing, particularly in the time we find ourselves in right now. We have to choose to worship him. We have to always choose a gentle response by slowing down and learning to rest in him. And no matter what, we have to learn to be thankful in our prayers. Be honest with God, but be thankful when that happens, our faith in God is so much greater than the fears we might feel. My hope and prayer is that you would do that. May we together as a church overcome our fears.
Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. What I want you to do right now is I want you to take your fears, whatever they might be. And if you know, that's great. But if you don't, maybe you could just ask yourself this time with God, what does fear feel like for you and what does it look like? Listen, we all struggle with fear, fear at some level. What does it feel and look like? Because if you cannot identify it, you cannot overcome it. Just spend some time with the Lord. And can I ask you to be very honest with him? But also, can you get to a place where you can thank him? Thank him that from this day forward, you will no longer be a slave to your fears. Let me just give you a few moments to do that, and then I'll close this in prayer. If you're here watching and you want to surrender your fears at the altar so that your faith in God will be greater than your fears, I just want you to maybe raise your hand in your living room, wherever you're watching this, or maybe right in the chat room, me. I want to pray for you today because God didn't create you to live in perpetual fear. He didn't create you to be a slave to your fears. Nothing will disease our souls more when we live in that kind of fear. So I want to pray for you. If that's you, just raise your hand right in the chat room, me. And I want to pray for you today. Lord, we thank you that you've declared that perfect love casts out all fears. You didn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity but a spirit of love, self-discipline, and power. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters, those who've raised their hand, those who wrote me in the chat room. I pray right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give them the strength, the faith to overcome their fears from this day forward. And God, that when they get to a place where they experience fear, they could use that as fuel to grow their faith. Please, God, help them today to get to a place where they can learn to worship you, where they could choose a gentle response by slowing down and rest, and to always be thankful in prayer no matter what, that they could always be thankful in prayer because you love them. You call us your friend. You came and you died for us on the cross. We can always be thankful. And so, God, I pray that you will bless my brothers and sisters who want to overcome their fears during this holiday season and that they would overcome it and their faith in you would know no bounds. God, I pray for the one that's watching today where you have placed a special calling upon their life. I'm sensing this, guys, that some of you, God has placed a calling upon your life, but you have said no because of your fears. You're afraid of what will happen if you pursue this. God, I pray for those people. And if that's you, I just, I just want you to acknowledge that, that it's you. And God, I pray that you will lift that fear from their souls 
and that they would realize that life with you is better than anything else this world has to offer. May they pursue it. May no longer their fear paralyze them, but may they grapple with it and learn to take the leap, God. Whatever it might be, I pray that today will be the first step where they would turn from their fears into the thing that you have placed upon their life, a calling or something that you've called them to do, that they will no longer let their fears paralyze them. Maybe to go and reconcile with somebody. Maybe to pursue a specific vocation. Pursue ministry. Be a missionary. Whatever it might be, God. I pray, Lord, that you would just minister to them right now. And no longer would their fears dictate how they're going to live their lives. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, how did God speak to you? If you just turn on your phones, there's the communication card. If you go to emetro.org slash Sunday, there's a communication card card portion. I just want you to click on that and go to scroll down. You'll see the response here. All right. The first thing is this. I'm committing my life to Jesus for the very first time. If you've never done that, we really want you to take that step. Please check that off and we'll get back to you. In fact, we would invite you to join us in the prayer room. One of our pastors can pray for you. Second, I will identify my fears through self-reflection and journaling. That this week you will begin to reflect so that you can better identify what your fear feels like and what it looks like. All right? Reflect, journal, and maybe share it with someone. That would be fantastic. Third, I will thank God for five things every day this week. Thank Him for five things every day. There's always something you can thank God for. Thank Him. Fourth, I will receive prayer today through Metro's virtual prayer rooms. Many of you need prayer today because of what fear has done in your life. Fifth, please send me more information about the virtual soul care conference from January 14th to the 16th. Folks, this, is an, this will be an incredible opportunity for you to grow deeper and allow your souls to get to a different place of health. Listen, I think what we're doing here on Sundays and our small groups on, on the weekdays is good. But I'm telling you, we're just really introducing you to these important topics. The soul care conference, Dr. Reamer will take you through the seven principles, but you're going to go real deep. It's going to be an excavation of your soul. I highly want to encourage you to sign up for that January 14th to the 16th. If you want more information, we'll send you the link. Check that off. Uh, sixth, I will give generously to the Christmas offering. All right. Uh, we want to encourage you to give generously this season because it shows that you are living in that place of thankfulness. All right. And then the last thing, please sign me up for partnership class on Sunday, December 6th. On Sunday, December 6th. All right. Listen, I know that um, through this series, so much has maybe surfaced in your life things that maybe you're incapable, you don't have the proper faculties to handle. Can I just draw your attention to emetro.org help? And if you need help, go to that page. There's so many different resources for you to access so that you can get some 